Hey folks, welcome to Three Ringos, a Beatles podcast presented by Radio Ryan. That's me here on WCCS Wheaton College Radio. I'm your host, Radio Ryan, and joined with me in person, less than I would say two feet away from me. But masked. Uh, but masked, gotta be COVID safe, are my two very best friends in the whole wide world, Harrison Zyberg and Tyler Finney. I'm so excited to have you both here. Right in front of me. It's an honor. I'm gonna to be here. This is an audio thing, so you won't know, but I'm gonna reach out and physically touch Harrison hmm. and now Tyler. I wouldn't want it any other way. I've physically touched them. This is a revolutionary thing. Touched. The last uh ten episodes of Radio Ryan have all been virtual over Zoom. We are here after a long break for us, maybe not for the listeners, but for us in person pretty dope um it might sound a bit different because we're in studio we're wearing masks masks new audio new audio equipment so we might you know play around with the uh audio levels i have we have the recording thing right there so i can track it Mm -hmm. um so we're pretty excited today we're going to talk about let it be which is uh, a beatles album believe it or not Mm -hmm. it was the last beatles album to be released but it was actually mostly recorded before Abbey Road, which is now s- sort of considered their more final album. I'm going to move this mic a little bit. It's making for great podcast content. Just the the this mic shifting. does not work. Oh, it works. What? I mean, it works. I mean, like it. It doesn't. It's not working with me. It's this is this is the this is the best it's going to get. So last time we were. Uh, talking about the Beatles feels like a long time ago. Because it was. It was very, very long. Uh, we were joined by a great friend and fourth and final Ringo, uh, Caroline, who is uh, in Prague right now. So mm-hmm. she cannot join us for the rest of the season. We wish her well on all her Prague ventures. Yes, indeed. Um, so it's back to just the three of us to talk about Let It Be. Um, we have a lot of history to go through, so I'll try and jump into that before we can start talking about the album. Uh, Something unique about today's episode is we're talking about uh, Let It Be and also the Paul McCartney-directed remixed album Let It Be Naked that was released in 2003, which uh, Paul claims is more faithful to the Beatles' original vision for the album. So we're going to discuss that uh, alongside it, and you'll see how we do it in just a second. But where we last left off in Beatles history was the tumultuous White Album. Things were a little hectic. A little, uh, would you guys say, mm, tense? One could say that. From what I remember. From what I remember, yeah, what we talked about. From what I recall. They weren't in a good mood. Hmm. So, we sort of carry that into the Let It Be uh, sessions. So what happens uh, is at the end of the White Album, the Beatles do feel good about one thing, which is their sort of return to roots sound. After Sgt. Pepper's and all the uh, psychedelic hishmishwash, um, they decided to go back to sort of rock and roll roots with the White Album, which they enjoyed, even though they didn't always enjoy each other. So for Let It Be, um, they decided to sort of keep up that theme. Um, and... They wanted to really get back to some of their roots, so Paul McCartney uh, started 
because as we discussed uh, previously, he's now sort of become the de facto leader of the band. He discussed this Get Back project, which is let's go back on stage, let's go live again. Paul loves to perform live. He's like, let's make music like we used to. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. And the Beatles, at first, were all on board. This quickly fell apart, and they never actually went on tour again. Uh, they did do one live show on the roof of their uh, Abbey Road Studios, which we'll discuss a bit later. Um, but the plan was to do that, and the album would be called Get Back. And they released, or sorry, they recorded a ton of material. They did a lot of new songs, half of which transferred over into Abbey Road. Um, they were recording at a new um, studio called Twickenham. And they were being filmed the whole time, which was new for them. They were like, we'll make a movie about us getting back to performing, and everyone will love it. It turned out to be the movie Let It Be that was released in 1970, which was basically showing how the Beatles broke up. Um, Have you seen it? No. I heard it was bad. I heard yeah. People didn't like it. it. People did not like it, and uh, the Beatles did not like it because, as we know now, they shot about 60 hours of footage, and for a two-and-a-half-hour movie, they basically picked the worst parts of the Beatles. Whereas, you know, coming in November, there is a new Peter Jackson documentary where he goes through the footage again. And he found that most of the footage are the Beatles positively interacting with each other, enjoying each other's company. Um, and so that if they, they want to show sort of the other side of that. But um, they were recorded while they were making this. Um, they recorded a lot of old covers, a lot of songs they had been sitting on. They did a lot of, like, feeling out songs that didn't make it onto either album, but would go on to be solo material for the Beatles. A lot of stuff that was on Paul McCartney's first solo album, on George Harrison's first solo album, on John Lennon's first solo album, all started here as uh, proposed Beatles songs that didn't make it. Um in part because the band was going in completely different directions. Um, after the White Album, John Lennon really doesn't have a lot of interest left in being a Beatle. He's more focused on being an activist, being with Yoko, doing a ton of heroin, and he's really not involved, and his effort level is, is declining. Mm -hmm. Ringo is being approached by a lot of movie studios. He's trying to be more of a film star. Paul is kind of trying to pull everybody together, he wants it to be back like the Beatles were in their early days. Not everybody likes that. And George feels like he's not heard at all, especially by Paul. He really wants to be independent, but the band doesn't really like his new stuff. Uh, so this leads to some fighting. There are some very famous recorded fights. Uh, George quits briefly during the recording of Let It Be. And they decide to come back, and he comes back only on the condition that they do not ever go on tour again. And... Um, they thought, okay, we'll do one live show. And initially, they were going to do it on Mount Everest and call it Everest, the album. But then they realized they couldn't do that. <laughs> and then they thought, oh, let's go to some exotic location like the Sahara Desert or the rainforest. And then they were like... Also very achievable. <laughs> they were like, what if we just took all our stuff onto the roof and played right now? And so they did that. They recorded the rooftop show. It sounded great. Um, a lot of the songs on Let It Be Naked are the recordings from the concert. But basically, after the rooftop show, 
which was sort of their last good thing together live, they were like all sort of disoriented, um, unsatisfied, and they sort of left the sessions and they felt that we had just recorded for like six months or whatever and it wasn't productive. We didn't get anything we liked. Um, Paul McCartney and longtime producer George Martin would get together and um, reconvene the band for a final effort, Abbey Road, which we'll talk about later or next episode. But basically, after Abbey Road, um, John quits the band, which we'll talk about it with more fanfare next episode, but um, and the Beatles basically break up. Phil Spector, legendary music producer and convicted murderer, uh, not at the time, uh, took all their recordings that they had from Twickenham with the help of the three remaining members, Paul, George, and Ringo, and sort of assembled the album we know as Let It Be out of what was left over um, from these long, tense rehearsals. Phil Spector's style is very different. George Martin, the longtime producer, said, basically, I made the bare bones of the album, and Phil Spector just threw a bunch of like glitter on it. And uh, Paul McCartney became critical of Phil Spector, which is what led to Let It Be Naked. But, um, you know, George Harrison and um, John Lennon both really liked Phil Spector, and um, he would go on to produce a lot of their solo stuff. So that's the history of Let It Be. In 2002-ish, Paul McCartney was like, you know, I really am not satisfied with what Phil Spector made. We had a lot of great songs and great material from those recordings, and I feel like he didn't make the best album out of them. So he decided to rearrange the original material and remix it into what he called Let It Be Naked in particular. He really didn't like what Phil Spector did to his songs, um, The Long and Winding Road and Let It Be. Um, Ringo approved it, but was like, I don't really care. I liked what Phil did. And at this point, this was like sh shortly before George Harrison passed away, but he agreed with Paul to do it. Um, so we, we have listened to both of them. Um, they're largely the same songs, but with some different mixing, some different ordering, um, and with one or two key differences. We're going to go in the order of the original album and talk about every song, as we always do. And then we, after we discuss this song, we'll talk about the naked version and discuss which we preferred. Um, that that should be everything uh, before our track by track. Do you guys have any questions? And the only thing I'll say, we're all anxiously watching the, um, the audio recording to make sure everything's working. I, I think you guys need to be close to the mic when you're talking so you can physically move it around. But mm -hmm. like I'm basically touching it with my mask. S and it looks like I'm getting good reading, so I'll I'll cut all this shit out. But no, 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 keep it in. Keep <laughs> good contacts. Okay. Whatever you want to do. Um, yeah, and just for a visual, um, this is l all three of us who we are not small men. All three of us in a triangle, like basically all of our knees <laughs> touching in what is basically the size of my stepmother's walk-in closet. Um. It with two mics, so Harrison and Tyler have to share. I'm the host, so I get to have my own fancy microphone. Um, but it's going to work. It's very intimate. Mm. Do you guys have any questions before we start? Any comments on the history of this uh, this weird album? Not, not really, no. Although I would like to watch that documentary. Yeah, you... Uh, really like both the Peter Jackson one and the bad version. I think what would be fun to do is hopefully... 
we will have recorded the uh, the last few. Ep- There's only three or four episodes left that we need to do because mm-hmm. I will do an Abbey Road episode and one or two episodes after. But it would be fun if everything lines up right after we finish. We we should be able to watch the uh, the Disney Plus documentary when it comes out, the Peter That'd Jackson one, and then it's maybe it's going to be on Disney Plus. And it, it would be fun to do like a Three Ringos bonus episode where we talk about the documentary. Uh, I like that idea. Let's look, get to the album. Cool. Let's just get to the album. Excellent. Let's get to the album Ryan Ringo or Ringo Ryan. Ringo Ringo Radio Ryan. I'm gonna. Ryan Star. I'm gonna try and move around in the studio. It didn't work. Well, that's fine. So let's start with the first song on the uh, original version I just burped. Uh, the you first, <laughs> I might want to cut the burp out. The first, uh, my oh, side note, my family listens to this, and a lot of times my dad will text me and be like, you guys all said that you were going to cut something out, and then you didn't. And I was <laughs> like, yeah, sorry about that. No, no, but it's usually when Ryan, you s- Ryan says yeah, you gotta cut something he said out. it's usually you say you're gonna cut it out and then at the end Harrison says keep it in <laughs> so the first song on the album is Two of Us which is uh, written by Paul McCartney obviously credited to Lennon McCartney um, this song was uh, basically a duet between um, Paul and John, it's one of the few songs. I think Day Tripper is one of the other big ones where Paul wrote it, but John has the lead vocal. Mm -hmm. On Day Tripper, John wrote it, and Paul has the lead vocal. Um, It's sort of, to me, like hard to imagine this song not being about Paul and John. It's called Mm -hmm. Two of Us, it's the two of them singing. There's a lot of um, poignant lines like, you and I have memories longer than the road that stretches out ahead. Like, we have a lot of history compared to sort mm-hmm. of the tough times we're facing now. Um, there's also stuff like you and me chasing paper, getting nowhere, which is, you know, the Beatles, as we talked about last week, and we'll talk about, I say week, <laughs> last episode with the White Album, and how we'll talk about a lot more next episode with Abbey Road. The Beatles now have a business, Abbey, uh, Abbey, Apple. Abbey Road Apple Records. It's confusing, but um, that business is not going well for them. And they have like a school. Yeah, they have a lot of weird stuff going on. And Paul McCartney, in more recent years, has said, you know, looking back, a lot of the Beatles breakups problems were issued, were uh, attributed to like business stuff. It's like if we just had stayed out of the business side of it. Um, So, I won't talk too much more about it. other than the fact that this song, like most of the album songs on the Phil Spector version, have some like studio chatter, and mm. on the original version you can kind of hear them like introduce it, or afterwards they'll so you sort of hear them talk, which is sort of a Phil Spector trademark, and Paul McCartney really did not like that, and it's all mm. cut from the naked version. He's like the Beatles, th- he's like, I don't think this was his words, but it's like. The, the Beatles are not supposed to be me, John, George, and Ringo in a studio. It's supposed to be like a name and an experience. And it's like you, it's like almost like pulling back the curtain at the end of Wizard of Oz. It's like mm-hmm. you kind of, he's like, you, that's intimate. That's for us. You guys shouldn't see that. I, definitely, I get that. I wasn't a huge fan of the chatter on this album, but also 
without Phil Spector, they had a lot of albums where they did have that jazz. Yeah. So I think it's sort of that's sort of a false argument in some ways, but I do agree. I and I'll make this comment one on this album. I was not a huge fan of the chatter. Um, for me personally, I think that on an individual basis, I could see why the songs are better suited without them. But for me, I think the experience of the Let It Be album was in a way enhanced for me by the chatter. I think that it contributed to something I really liked about the album as a whole, just a kind of like very warm, loose feeling, almost like it's like a jam session. I think Paul's critique of it makes a lot of sense, considering that it's not always like the most polished thing to show, especially when you're a group with, that has the prestige of the Beatles. But I like the fact that it provided like a little bit more of like, not necessarily intimate, but yeah, I guess intimate, just like a, it felt more like a jam session to me. So I felt like it felt right for this album. Maybe it wouldn't feel as right for like, say a more tightly wound like Sgt. Pepper, but I think it works for Let It Be, so. Great insight, Tyler. Thank you. Uh, you are kicked off the podcast for disagreeing <laughs> with me, but. I mean, you know, I'm still mad about Rocky Raccoon, so <laughs> it's fine. All right, so uh, enough. Oh, the last thing I'll say is there is a VH1 TV movie from 2000 about John Lennon and Paul McCartney called Two of Us. Oh. And I've looked it up, and it's it's weird. Is <laughs> Why it, is it weird? Not good? It's like, it's, so it's based on something that we'll talk about in a later the episode. SNL, yeah, the S and basically Paul and, oh. and John reconvene at Paul's apartment, or John's apartment. It's like one of their big get-togethers after the breakup. And the movie's about that. And it's one of those things, we were talking about this the other day, it was Tyler and I, or Harrison and I, it's sort of like that movie Death of Stalin, they don't <laughs> try to sound like John or Paul, they kind of look mm-hmm. like them, and it's a little disorienting, because they kind of look like them, but it really feels, it feels so much like a movie, like it's hard to, like at any point take it seriously, yeah. like the entire time it feels like two impersonators talking to each other. <laughs> but, and, and they're the only two characters in the movie, and they like they're like, oh, remember Yoko and George, but like it's just weird. <laughs> it, it's a really weird movie, but it, there's some parts that are funny. Um, anyways. Oh, this this guy. Um, I didn't realize that John Lennon was played by Jared Harris, who's a great actor, um, and he's in everything. He's the son of Richard Harris, who played the original Dumbledore. Um, he's great. He's he's um. Moriarty and Sherlock Holmes. So your Jr. opinion is wrong, Ryan. It's a great movie. They've been nominated for all <sighs> the Oscars. Awesome. Right. I appreciate all the takes. We're almost 20 minutes in. Let's talk about the first okay. song. I liked it. Two of Us, you liked yeah. it? From my notes from four months ago, I wasn't apparently the best, biggest fan, but re-listening to it in the last few days, I really, really liked it. Like maybe top, maybe top 10 Beatles songs. Wow. At least top 20. Ooh. Um, no, I I also really liked it. I wouldn't quite put it in the pantheon of top ten for me, but I thought it was a, an incredibly sweet song, um, especially the part, as you mentioned, the you and I have memories longer than the road that stretches out ahead, which I found not only so poignant lyrically, but I felt especially the way that it was delivered um, in the vocals was, like, my favorite part of the song. Um, I love the guitar in the song as well. I just thought it was a really, really nice opener and a great way to, to kick it off. I think for me, I also thought that, thank you for moving the mic, I also thought that it sounded like it could have been written 10 years after or 20 years after and still would have fit. Like, I think it was, I don't know before its time it worked, but I think like, it, I think that song could be released today and most likely sound pretty good or like people people would really enjoy it. It's also sad when you think of like, because we know what happens in 
10, 11 years after this happens, and the line, like, there's so much, the road ahead of line, because, like, numerically-wise, they already had known each other, I think, for over half the time John was going to be alive. Right. So just, like, when you think of it, and that's a lot of these songs, when you think of them, like, when knowing the history that we do, obviously they didn't know, they just get a lot sadder and more, I can't ever, poignant? Poignant. Poignant. I always want to say poignant. No. Um, I know that's wrong. But Walk you're so, off. you're being such a George right now. <laughs> <laughs> you're being such a George. It's a very Ying Ringo thing to say. But yeah, so I, I know. But it's very sad when you think, of it. and it's also like, I'm trying to think of another song, but like Julia, or like any song. If you listen to the song, obviously it's Post Beatles, Beautiful Boy, which I think was released after he was killed. Um, uh, like three or four months before. Before, but still, yeah. so it's like, mm-hmm. it's such a heartbreaking song. And then the most heartbreaking thing happens yeah. to him and to that family. Yeah. So it's very like it's sadly one of the, like just like the lines that are so poignant <laughs> and Pognon. like so beautiful in its own right, but in context even more like heartbreaking. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I really like this song. Um, we we don't really have to talk much about the naked version. It's pretty similar. Um, there's not a lot to mess around with this song. It's just two fellows and some acoustics. Mm-hmm. Uh, George and Ringo are obviously like contributing to the song, but it really feels like a John and Paul vessel. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. I really think it's a, a nice, a beautiful little duet, and uh, I think it's an interesting start for the... the oh, the other thing about the n- naked version is the track listing is a bit different, which makes right. it for a different experience. Right. I prefer the naked listing usually because like it starts with Get Back and ends with Let It Be, and I feel like it's a nice progression where I feel like Phil Spector's version is a bit all over the place, but um, it's a definitely a, an interesting uh, kickoff to the album. Which is funny because most Beatles albums are also all over the place. Yeah. Like there is no, I mean... Well, the, the, a lot of the early ones are. Yeah, it was just like the really... I remember talking about, we'll have to listen back to earlier episodes, the really funny shifts. Like, it went, does it go into, like, Blackbird to, like, <laughs> Good Golly, Miss Molly or there's, something like there's that? There's a lot of funny shifts on the White Album, but I remember the ones we talked about a lot was on Help. Yesterday is the second to last song, and then Dizzy Miss Lizzie is the <laughs> last song. <laughs> yeah, there was also one, there was a specific one on the White Album, um, and it was, I want to say... It was Paul singing two songs. But yeah, it was like Helter Skelter. Helter Skelter to Long, Long, Long is a pretty funny one, considering how different those are. Um, yeah. Because Paul McCartney probably probably has the best voice in yeah. music, just for his range. Oh, actually, no. The funniest <laughs> the funniest one is in the White Album, where it goes from Why Don't We Do It in the Road to I Will. <laughs> which, first of all, the song title is already answering that. But also, they're just so radically different. It's hilarious. It's a... Uh, it's it's funny. The I order do it in the road. I will. <laughs> uh, it's it's a funny it's a funny uh, a little piece of trivia. Uh, the next song. Uh, so we all liked. We all did. Two of us. Top, Definitely. Top twenty. Great song. I wouldn't put it that high, but great I song. I also would not, but I think it's a great song. Top thirty. Yeah, maybe. Perhaps. So the next song is "Dig a Pony," which is a John Lennon song. Um, it's uh, one of those songs that everybody loves and John Lennon called a piece of garbage, um, <laughs> which is just like something he did all the like time. Like your music more, John. Um, John Lennon basically just said he wrote it a bit uh, like Bob Dylan and just said random nonsense words. Uh, but, you know, it, it's a testament to the Beatles that you can take basically a, a nonsense thing uh, and turn it into what I think is a pretty dang good song. Uh, some of the... Uh, 
recording of it is from the um, rooftop concert. Um, there's a some you can hear some chatter again on the uh, the album version. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think on the roof you can find clips of the rooftop concert on YouTube. It's in the original movie, and I think it's going to be in the Peter Jackson movie. It's definitely going to be in the new one. In in better quality, but from one of the clips I have seen, it someone's holding up the lyrics to the song for John, mm-hmm. and uh, they start it, and Ringo like drops his cigarette or something, and he's like, "Hold it!" And there's like this funny little bit where him and John argue, like play, like playful <laughs> argue, not like I'm quitting the band argue. Um, but what did you guys think of Dig a Pony? I did pausing back up on this. Um. Y- yes, I think, I think in one of the versions he did and one he didn't. I don't I remember. I liked John's voice in this. I liked this song. I, for my notes, I said it probably went on just a bit too long. Um, and I didn't wasn't the biggest fan. Of, it's not that I didn't like, but of the Paul's background vocals. But overall, I thought it was good. And I didn't like John's voice. I also liked the idea of. I mean, it's, it's funny when you think of how different albums are made. It just this sort of goes to about this song but also this in general of let it be and let it be naked of like back then i wonder how many if they just did the full like start to end record end song and then just put that on the album because now you can like go and like oh we really like how we did the lick on take six but the rest of the song is good from take five except for this bit at take 12 they they could kind of do that. I remember... I forget why that popped mind. You said something that made me think of that. Well, yeah, talking about recording, but I do remember in, in Beatles specifically, if you remember way back on Please Please Me, the first song is uh, um, I Saw Her Standing There. Mm-hmm. The count-in, where Paul McCartney is very excitedly going, one, two, three, foul! That's from one take, and then the rest of the song is a different take. Oh, interesting. Mm. But it wasn't as it wasn't as like specific or like precision like. No, no, you it, editing before computers is disgusting to look at. It's all like razors and tapes, so it would be hard to do it that precise. But um, it is an interesting mixing question. What do you think, Tyler? I loved Dig a Pony. I really wasn't familiar with this song much at all before I listened to this, and I just I love how loose and soulful it it sounded. Um, like, it just has this really, really warm vibe to it, as I mentioned earlier. It's, like, enhanced the feeling of, like, this jam session where they were really being able to let loose and have a lot of fun. Great guitar work. I love the chorus of just, like, the all I want is you. Like, that whole part is brilliant. Like, I just got, like, the hair stood up on my arm when I heard that. Um, just very, very relaxed, but it, I was never anything less than completely engaged. I loved this song. There's going to be a long break in the recording because Tyler passed the mic to me. Talking to two mics, that would be great in the yeah. audio. That's like at, uh, at like sports press conferences when they have like eight mics all right in front of them. <laughs> or dictators. Or dictators. Yeah. What did you think of Dig a Pony, Harrison? I didn't say. Oh, I liked it. You talked about it a little bit, but then you went off about it. No, I liked it. I think I wasn't. there were some aspects I wasn't a huge fan of. Right. For me, this isn't a song that cracks the top 50. For Beatles, like Beatles songs, definitely like. cr- uh, cracks mine. <laughs> don't, don't, don't say it. Okay, um, let's not crack each other. All right, let's. Use the word crack. <laughs> um, I I think it's a good song, but yeah, not top fifty. I also want to add that um, there's a cover of this song by one of my favorite artists, Saint Vincent, and she absolutely kills it. She performed it like two or three times, I believe. You can find them on YouTube, and um, I. 
Yeah, so look up St. Vincent Dig a Pony and you will be very, very impressed, I assure you. Thanks, Tyler. Um, if any of you actually look that up, I'll be very upset. This is not a Three St. Vincent's podcast. Oh, it is now. It would be Three Saints or Three Vincent's. Three right? Vincent's. Um, I like this song. I think this song has sort of my feelings about the album summarized, is that it's loose, it's fun, I like it, but it's not as meaningful to me as a lot of the other Beatles music. I like this album, especially the naked version, but I feel like it sort of just sounds like a fun jam for the Beatles the entire time, which is good, but I would have been a little, uh, uh, what's the PG word I'm trying to look for? Ticked off if I was in the 70s as a Beatles fan and Let It Be came out, and this was sort of the grand finale. Obviously, it wasn't intended that way, but... I understand that. Uh, definitely in the sense that, you know, I think Let It Be is arguably a less conceptually ambitious album than a lot of their other work, especially before this, and uh, even Abbey Road that came out after this. But I do really love how soulful this feels. And even though, like, as you said, it does have the feelings of, like this very fun, loose jam session, at the same time, it does have this underlying weight to it in every song, even when they're just banging something out on the keyboard. Like, I just feel like you know, th they're fully soaking in every part of this, knowing that this is going to be one of the last times they do this together. And you could hear that come through. I thought, like, especially just the way they sing All I Want Is You in this is, like, breathtaking. I love this song. Well, I'm glad you like it. I really, really, really like Dig a Pony. I'm going to say that for the record. I like Dig a Pony. Um... And once again, as I will say after every song, Tyler's opinion is wrong. Mm -hmm. And most and of Rocky Raccoon is a top 20 Beatles song. Most of the time, so is Harrison's. And it's uh, You Should Only Be Ever Listening to Me. Um, mm -hmm. And that's, that's the warm environment. You just mm. create for creativity. I, or you know, uh, from all the feedback I've gotten from you guys, the number one compliment I always get is you are such a receptive and nice host. And you're always very sincere. That's all correct. The next song is Across the Universe. It's a John Lennon song Meh. that uh, a lot of people like. Harrison says, meh. Meh. This song came... I'm going to fight you. This song came to be while uh, John Lennon was still married to um, Cynthia Lennon, and the lyrics came to him from, quote, my wife bambling on about nothing. And, uh, Such a good husband. He's he was a he was a model member of the household. Um, he basically thought of you know words are flowing out like endless rain into a paper cup. Great opening line. Not as fun when you think of it as my wife is nagging me. But anyways, um, I'm glad we don't talk about their personal lives <laughs> that much. Yeah, it would, make, it would make this podcast a lot more difficult. We we uh, we're st steering away from the. Uh, Unless it's relevant. The oozy swamp of John Lennon's <laughs> personal life. To be fair, basically all of their personal lives, but John Lennon especially. Yeah, well, well, let's not get into it. Um, I like the Beatles. This is one of the songs that <laughs> John Lennon did appreciate looking back on. He said, it's one of my best lyrics. Um, there is an interesting note for the naked version in that what you hear on Across the Universe's uh, album version for Let It Be is sort of this sweeping orchestral thing that Phil Spector was very fond of and Paul McCartney hated. He was like, the album was supposed to be called Get Back. It was supposed to be a return to roots. It's supposed to be sort of back to basics, just the four of us 
jamming. It should not be this huge Disney symphony. Um, so what's interesting is that in the Let It Be Naked version, Paul actually took himself off of the song so that the naked version is basically just John, some w some of George and Ringo, but basically just John and his piano, um, which is interesting because a lot of people are like, Paul's a control freak and the super perfectionist, but it was interesting that he was able to say, I shouldn't be on this song, it should just be John. When this album did come out, there w when Let It Be Naked came out, there was some criticism towards Paul McCartney's mix, but a lot of people were like pleasantly surprised that a lot of the changes, and this is obviously 20 years after John Lennon had passed away, but a lot of the changes were positively affecting John's songs more than anyone else's, so that sort of dispelled the rumor that Paul just did it because he didn't like what Phil did to his songs. So do we know if there's a version of Across the Universe out there with Paul McCartney on it that's available? Yeah, the Let It Be album version. Oh, I didn't even hear him on the album version. No, he's so just playing piano. Oh, okay. No, okay, so it wasn't like him singing. No, he's, he's not singing. I gotcha. Okay, now I understand. Um, so what did you guys think of the song Across the Universe? I don't think it's a bad song. I think it's a good song, and I like John's vocals overall. Uh, I'm trying to look at my notes as I talk into the mic. Um, I love the lyric, the line, nothing's going to change my world, and I don't know. I really like the instrumental aspects to it, but it's just, it's not a song I would willingly listen to. Like, I'm not going to, like, it's not a song that I'm going to be like, what's a Beatles song I should listen to right now? Across the Universe. It's just never going to happen. There are so many other songs I would put ahead of it. So I think for that, it ranks in the total overarching rankings, which we have not been keeping track of, pretty low. Even though I know it's like a classic song and people love it, and they named that really okay Beatles movie after it. <laughs> um, we should talk about that. Not now, but later. No. You don't like it? But that's not what we're here to do. Side note, we should do an episode where we just talk about every Beatles-affiliated movie. Anyway, <laughs> it, it was fine. I, I don't know. I know Tyler's going to like totally disagree with me but it was just eh. like it's not bad i know it's good but it's just not my thing yeah so harrison i'm gonna totally disagree with you uh, <laughs> i think this song is gorgeous i think the melody is gorgeous i think that his lyrics i think he's completely spot on they're incredibly poetic uh john was right to consider this one of his best songs in terms of like a songwriting uh, from a songwriting standpoint, just like even the the imagery alone that he's able to conjure up, images of broken light which dance before me like a million eyes, they call me on and on across the universe. I just find myself so moved every time I hear any version of the song. That goes for the Let It Be original album version, which personally I actually really like the addition to the production of the choir in the background. I think it lends it kind of this sweeping feel that adds to the kind of like overarching like feeling of the cosmos which i think is really great but also in listening to the let it be naked version of this i loved that and i might even prefer it to the original but i still have to decide on that but i really appreciated how stripped back it felt as well um and like how clear john's vocals sounded and um, i think both versions definitely have their strengths but i just found it very gorgeous and um you know i i also want to say this is also, I think the only one of the few Beatles songs. No, I think this song has my favorite, the best Beatles cover of all time, by Fiona Apple um, in the late '90s, I believe. She had a cover of "Across the Universe," um, and the music video was directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, who she was with at the time. Um, and it's a great video, great song. 
I think it is a beautiful, beautiful song in a lot of aspects. The best Beatles cover is Stevie Wonder, We Can Work It Out. But Ryan, what did you think of the song? Maybe. Um, I generally don't like covers. So I always... Not like that song, song of, the, of the original. So uh, I like Across the Universe. I think I'm somewhere in the middle. I think it's it's really sort of beautiful of uh, a tune. But um, I, as I've said before on this podcast... Just the style of music that I enjoy listening to is usually not just one guy on a piano. Like, I, I do appreciate the song, but it's not one of my favorite Beatles songs just because, it, it to me, it's just sort of like, oh, that's nice. It's it's pleasant, but I don't really, like, feel, you know, any sort of connection to it. Um, but but I do think it's, it's one of the better um, uh, John Lennon songs post-White Album because he doesn't always put in this level of effort. Yeah, there's, there's not many options, really. <laughs> yeah. Ryan, do you got any takes regarding the difference between the OG version and the naked version? Um, I am uh, usually of the opinion that I don't like um, the uh, Phil Spector wall of sound technique, where he just sort of throws a bunch of orchestra on stuff. But I think that on this song, I'm sort of, I like it either way. Um, I really don't have a strong preference because I don't feel super strong about the song in general, but I think I would probably pick the the naked version of just sort of stripped back John and the guitar. I think it might fit the sort of themes of the song a bit better. Hmm. That's valid. I'm glad we decided that Harrison was wrong. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, I'm not kidding. Harrison was wrong. Uh, by the way, I am kidding. This is a, this is a persona. I'm gonna go cry now. <laughs> I'm gonna cry, and guess what? It's my recording studio because I run the radio station. So get out. Uh, End of podcast. You know, it is your party, and you can cry if you want to. Oh, can we talk about that song? No. Oh. What song is it? It's my party. It's my party, and I can cry if I want to. Come on. Yeah, you know. Yeah. We all know. This, anyway. is me, this is me and Harrison like making up for the fact that we also don't know who made that song. I'm uh, sure my dad will take. Listeners, call in. Tell yeah, us. call in. Whoever calls in gets a free T-shirt. That's not true. That's but not true. Free. The radio station is just giving away T-shirts. Well, well you'll get a free podcast. Yeah, no this, ads. This, we can promise you no is, ads. This is just the type of content I'm gonna cut. Yeah, no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. No, Anyways. The next song is I, Me, Mine, which is one of uh, George Harrison's only contributions to the uh, album. This is... Uh, this is his mean only contribution. Uh, Songwriting-wise. Mm. Um, this is George Harrison disc. This is uh, one of the contenders for final Beatles song. Um, we'll talk about it more on Abbey Road, but this was the last song the band worked on before they officially split. Basically, they made Let It Be, they made Abbey Road, they released Abbey Road, John left the band, and then right before Phil Phil Spector released it, he was basically putting the album together and was like, hey, I mean, mine's good, can you guys just come in and do a couple things on it? So John, uh, sorry, Paul, George, and Ringo came in to do something. So John Lennon is not on the song at all. The final version is, is something recorded after he left. Um, so it's an interesting sort of like mm-hmm. weird throw-in at the end. Um, and it's fitting that it's I, Me, Mine, which is a song pretty clearly about um, jealousy, ego, selfishness. 
Um, and I think it is a uh, pretty banging tune. What did you guys think of? I also I liked it mine. I liked it a lot. I thought George's vocals were really strong on it. I think some parts of the musical aspects of it I wasn't a huge fan, like the instrumental shifts I wrote down that I didn't really like. Um, it may not be a song that I, that I turn to regularly to listen to, but I also I really, really liked this. And it's nice seeing the evolution of George's voice over these last albums. What do you think, Tyler? I loved it. I loved I Me Mine. I think that George really, really did a great job with this one. I love the melody. Like, uh, sort of the, the kind of winding sort of melody of it kind of reminded me of uh, the thing that uh, one of my other uh, previous favorite Beatles songs, Michelle, accomplished, where it sounds like I'm just kind of walking down like a Parisian uh, cobblestone road sort of at, at dusk or whatever. And it just makes me, it, you know, it just fills me with a lot. And I think the chorus itself is really fun as well, but the stuff leading up to it is really, really pretty. Um, the guitar work on this album up to this point, continuing after this, both on the electric guitar and acoustic guitar, I thought has been fantastic. And his voice fits great with this track. I just think it's a great song. I really do. I'm a big fan of I Me Mine. Yeah, I love this song. This is uh, one of my favorite songs on the uh, album. It it's, uh, might be up there for one of my favorite George songs. Um, I think this is like a great uh, tune. It, it sort of reminds me of a lot of uh, George's later stuff, which is sort of this melodic sort of start soft and then jump into high energy and sort of shift back and forth. Uh, which I really like. I think it's got some great guitar work. Uh, George's vocals are great, and I think it, it's a classic uh, George song that you can take and you know put its lyrics to sort of 15 different situations, and it works. It's just a, a very um, powerful sort of uh, statement, especially if you do consider it sort of the end to the Beatles' uh, regular recording as sort of this final, well, you guys are all obsessed with yourselves, and sort of walk out like that bit of a mic drop, I guess, is the term I was looking for. A Michael drop. A Michael drop. The uh, the other interesting tidbit is in 1980, um, <laughs> which he was not even 40 yet, uh, George Harrison published an autobiography, which I love when <laughs> artists do this when they're like 29, <laughs> and they're like, here's my life. <laughs> but it was called I Me Mine, and it was the first Beatles autobiography, and um, it got a lot of attention and it had very little to do with the Beatles and it was mostly just George being like here's all the songs I wrote and what they mean and John Lennon was like very vocally in the press like George never mentioned me I made him who he is this is terrible and then people scanned through it and found that John has mentioned not a lot but more than any of the other Beatles <laughs> <laughs> oh. and and my dad has the book have so you read it? I have not I know it was um, it's good you know I think he likes it. Do you know the director? This is a short side note, or, but Kenneth Brogna. Sure. He, he dir Lockhart. Yep. directed Thor and other better movies. Gotcha. Um, he released an autobiography, I think, when he was 24. And it was like right before he. His, I think. I don't know if he released it right after he directed his first movie, which got nominated for a bunch of Oscars and stuff. But he was like a 25 year old being like, here's how I make movies. And he had one movie under his belt. I uh, I think I'll one-up him and release an autobiography at the end of this year before I turn 22 and just be like, here's what being in diapers was like. How much of your autobiography would be like, and here's what I built in Minecraft? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I would definitely have a significant chunk of, like, this is what I thought of doing this day and then didn't do. 
but I think that's a, a pretty common. If you had the average 21-year-old write their autobiography, it would suck, and mine would not be much better. Mm. It would just be. It like might even be worse. It would be like 120 pages of just being like, I don't know, maybe I'll, maybe they'll do that, but who it knows? It would just be like, yeah, I, you know, on March 4th, 2015, I ate breakfast. Did you guys see that new Spider-Man movie? Anyways. Um, the next song on the uh, Let It Be album is one of two songs cut by Paul McCartney from the Naked version. It, it, both of them are under one minute long, um, and this, this is called Dig It, which is one of the only Beatles songs credited to all four members of the band. Um, so it's credited to Lennon, McCartney, Harrison, Starkey, um, and it's called Dig It. And what did you guys think? I had two notes. One was weird. <laughs> the other one was, may have been John. It sounded like Mick Jagger. <laughs> I don't remember the song. So it, apparently it, was, it was John, by the way. Apparently, I didn't like it. Um, I also dislike this song. I totally agree with Paul cutting it. It literally sounds like they were just sort of fooling around on instruments, and then Phil Spector picked it up and put it on the album. If you listen to, you know, there's a lot of... This podcast's goal is to listen to pretty much every Beatles song. There are a lot of, like, covers from these sessions, the covers of, like, 50 songs we won't listen to officially during episodes that later got released on the anthology stuff. Any of them, I think, are better than Dig It. Mm-hmm. Tyler, do you have anything profound? Um, truthfully, I haven't recalled a lot of this. Um, it's for 50 for seconds. No, yeah. Um... For me, I can I considered it more of an interlude than a, like a song, which I feel like you know makes sense because I feel like seeing it as an interlude allows it to contribute to the atmosphere of like oh they're goofing around, it's a jam session. So I I understand why it's there. Like you can able kind of you can see more of like the vibe they were in. Um, and like I said earlier, I like the inclusion of some, like, at the beginning of tracks, you hear them talking about something. But, yeah, I feel like it does make sense for Paul to have cut this. So, you know, I, you know, I think it's, I can see the vibe they were in, but I get it. The ultimate joke would be for me to cut this po- entire discussion from <laughs> the episode, but I will not. Um, I guess we'll just skip through it. It's not really a significant song. The next song. Yeah, that's my joke. <laughs> the next song on the. Song. The next song on the album is the title track, "Let It Be," and I just have to say up front, bizarre placement for the song. Yeah, that's my first note. Between and my first note is what a musical shift. Between "Dig It" and "Maggie May," which is the other less than one minute song, mm-hmm. it just feels weird when this is clearly like the centerpiece of the album for it to be just sort of three or four songs in. Um, Everybody knows about Let It Be, and I don't want to talk about it at all other than what we think <laughs> about it, because everyone has heard a million stories about this, and I just... Maybe w- just one story told a million times <laughs> yeah. by the same man. I just want to focus on the musical content, and I would like to start it with Harrison, because if I recall correctly, this is, like, your favorite Beatles song of all time. It is my favorite Beatles song, I think. It may have... It's definitely in the top five. I wrote down... My favorite Beatles song. Maybe that will change. I'm not entirely sure. It's hard to make a definitive. Well, I'm glad. Definitive to, I'm list. glad to know this podcast may have enlightened you a little it's bit. It was hard to make a definitive list. I bet. Mm. I bet your rankings has changed since we've started. Yeah, definitely. I think. Considering your list has Rocky Raccoon on it so many times, you know. It's. <laughs> it has. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I cannot even remember Rocky Raccoon, but I'm sure I didn't <laughs> like it. You did not. Um, what did I say? 
I know it's so hard to talk. Yeah, we always run to this problem. We get to the great songs of like what to talk about. Um, I think an underrated part is the sound of the guitar and it's just really like just rock sound to it. And I think it's one of the best guitar solos in a song. Because George Harrison just knocks it out of the yeah, park. It's, and it's not like it's no one ever really talks about the guitar solo on Let It Be. Like it's not like a well-known thing that some other stuff is, but I just I love it. It's I love because I can sort of play it on guitar myself, and it's just I love it a lot. It's and also the um, the small parts of John's vocals on it. Like it's not a ton, but it does have some backing part to it, and I think also that is just makes it adds to the song a lot, and makes it as great as it is. And there's like obviously like Paul is great. I love all of it, and the like. It's again, it's hard to talk about the songs that we all know and all really love and recognize as great, but I think two aspects that should be spoken about more: John's vocals and just that guitar solo, because I think it is just incredibly underrated. I think, um, sort of to your point, I'll let Tyler jump in here for a second, but just to quickly respond to that, I think because Paul McCartney pl- has played it like every single day of his life, people sort of remember it as like a Paul McCartney vessel, but it really is a full band song, and I think every single one of them shows up and does well on the uh, on the album version. And to be fair, if you wrote this song, wouldn't you play it every I, single day I of your life? We also haven't been mentioning it, but... We'll get to it with uh, the song Get Back, but Billy Preston was on a lot of these songs, including uh, some parts of Let It Be. Um, he was sort of considered, he was a piano player from the 60s. Uh, I think he's in the, I think from what I've seen of the doc, new documentary. He's in the documentary. He's in the doc- that's very cool. Well, he was considered kind of the fifth Beatle because he was around for Let It Be so much, and they considered adding him to the band. Really, um, that would have been interesting. But then they sort of <laughs> broke up. But huh. uh, ma- they said maybe if they had stayed together long term, they might have a- uh, added him. Interesting. Uh, Tyler, cool. thoughts on this um, Paul McCartney classic? Yeah, I mean, I feel like as a song, it's pretty self-explanatory. It's a, it's a beautiful song. Um, lyrically, I find it just very touching and, and uplifting in a, in a very sincere way. It doesn't feel cloying. It just feels very, very... Uh, cathartic, I think, especially given uh, that's one of the things I like about its placement on Let It Be Naked. It's it's the way that it's put it, it as like the final track feels like this really great release and just kind of like this sacramental thing after these great, you know, like warm vibes throughout the album. Um, yeah, I, I think that it's a re- really beautifully recorded. I love Paul's voice on this song. Um, there are two things about the OG version that I specifically like more than the Let It Be version. The original gangster version? Yeah. It's and pronounced Og. <laughs> exactly, the Og. First thing, the guitar solo here is fantastic. I think it's perfectly placed within the song because you have this beautiful buildup with the piano and then you have this release of the guitar, which is great. And then also, this is the smallest thing, but this is one of the things I love about the Beatles is that you can get, pick up these little nuances in delivery. But the way Paul sings, shine until tomorrow, and then on the Let It Be Naked, he goes, shine until tomorrow. It's like this little bit of a change, but I feel like the way he sings it on the original, just, I don't know, it, it pings something within me. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a beautiful song. It really is. As we, we talked a little about this before uh, we started recording, but they just released like a two days ago a super deluxe version yep. of Let It Be, and I li- only really have listened to like this song and another one of it. And I think in one of the takes, it's like I don't know, there's something like I was I had the point before I started talking, but some there was a 
chorus was like there will be no suffering or something like it's like i think it's like there will be no sorrow there will be no sorrow yeah so it's like it was interesting to see the evolution of the song and also i know there's like a weird not a weird there's a clip where it's he talks about i think i showed you it once and you've never seen it it may just be from one of the recording sessions we talked about brother malcolm Mm. in one of the lyrics like comes to me or talks to me so you can just tell like it evolved and there, it's there is a, a funny blooper that I hope makes it into the documentary because it, it only exists in like black and white footage on YouTube um, and it's John Lennon playing around the piano going let it A let it B let it C let it D um, and he like goes through the whole alphabet <laughs> um, and Paul McCartney is like cracking up in the background um yeah, this is one of those songs where it's like, this just feels like talking about the national anthem. It's like, what do you even say? You stand I mean, up when this plays? Yeah, you, I put my hand over my heart for this thing. But um, it's a great song. It, it's it's one of those songs that, you know, you can take it as literal or as spiritual as you want it. You know, I'm sure the Christians went crazy with this one. I'm sure... You yeah, know, I cut that line out. <laughs> well, I mean... You know, it's it's got pseudo religious qualities. He says they were bigger than Jesus, Mother know. Mary, and stuff like that. But you know, he also his mother was literally named Mary, and mm-hmm. um, there's a a lot of you know this song. I completely agree with Tyler. It completely deserves to be the last song in the album or the first. I would say the last. I, I think it makes sense to have the title track first. Yeah, first, first, first or weird. last. I think on an album, last. first or last are the like places of honor. And I think if this is the last Beatles album released and this is the last song, and you kind of see this as the finale for the Beatles, it's perfect. And instead mm-hmm. of uh, you know throwing it in as track six, do you think people would have liked the album more if it was? I, the last I song? think I don't know if album ordering matters. It's super a lot to like most people. Um, it matters a bit to me, but it wouldn't. You know, I I don't think Let It Be mm. sounds any different. You know, on track th- six or the final track. I think because it's probably one of their best songs. It was one of their best songs, in my opinion. I think people would have left the album happier, mm. and then I think that would have just sort of like I can definitely see that. them forget a bit, a little bit about maybe the stuff they didn't like. I will say as well that I think the art of album sequencing is something that um, continues to evolve, especially within the streaming era where you can just hit play on really any song that you want. But, you know, when this was released, um, especially when it's released on a vinyl record, I think to have that extra impact of it ending right as the second um, disc of the record ends would probably be especially impactful, I think, rather than, you know, just skipping right to it or it being right in the middle. So um, that's why, you know, like I said, like I really appreciate when an artist is able to know how to properly sequence a song after another for an extra punch. Great song. I think everybody can agree. Let it be a good song. Controversial yeah. take. Um, Not one of my favorite Beatles songs, but still, but a classic. still great. Uh, the next song is Maggie May. That closes out the first part of the album. Another, it's 40 seconds. Um, to me... I can't believe this got on the album. It sounds like the three of us could sing it. Um, it's like a traditional English folk song that they were just fooling around with. And uh, I am not a fan of intermissions on albums in general. But, you know, it's not Shakespeare. But I think that uh, it's just something that I wouldn't put on and ever listen to in my life. Yeah, I liked it. But, I mean, it's so short. It's just like a, yeah, okay. But I, I, I get the feeling I have nothing against it, and I sort of I like the vocals. I get the feeling you're going for, 
and I would have probably liked it if it was two minutes of them sort of having fun with the song, but at 40 seconds, it's like, why even have it? Yeah, for me, this is another one of those that I consider an interlude, and as an interlude, I think, you know, rather than taking it as, like, a full song, I think it's a neat little interlude. I, you know, I, I think it's nice. Um, certainly, I think it could be longer um, if they were going to go that route and consider it like it's only 40 seconds, but, um, yeah, it does end very abruptly, I think, too. Um, and not that they, you know, I get that it's an interlude, so that may not be their plan. But, yeah, you know, I thought it was all right. It's, you know, I like how it contributes to the vibe. Well, we'll have the great interlude debate another time. But that ends the first half of the album. Uh, now, before we start the second half, I'd like to talk about a song that's on Let It Be Naked, but not on the original version. And that is Don't Let Me Down by Snoozer. Which, in my opinion, well, it's my opinion, yeah. I think this might be my favorite Beatles song Not Hey Bulldog? of all time. Wow. This and Hey Bulldog, I think, are both in my top three. Um, I couldn't tell you the third one off the top of my head, but um, I love this song. I can't believe it didn't make it on. The v- album version you hear on uh, Let It Be Naked is from the rooftop, which is pretty dope. Um, it's just so simple. Billy Preston's going hard on the keyboard. Um, they're it's just these simple lyrics. It's sort of like, hey, Bulldog, it's just like a rocker. You know, I, I'm surprised that two John Lennon songs are in my top three when generally I prefer John and George. But I just think this is just a simple song that just, like, hits me at my core. And I just love the way it sounds in every single way. And I, I just think this song is amazing. Agreed. I don't think, like, it's one of the great songs where I feel like we don't even have to spend that much time talking about it. Although a running family joke in the Zyberg household is that this would be either one of the best first dance songs at a wedding or the worst first dance song at a wedding. Um, why would it be one of the worst? Why would it be one of the worst, Tyler asks? Well, I mean... I just think like, don't let me down. The kickoff like, of your wedding is like, don't screw this up. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit... I a, guess, yeah. But, yeah, I know, it's such a great song, and I... I yeah, it's like, it's hard, it's... It is one of, like, it, I think it is a perfect song. Where there's really nothing to critique. I definitely top twenty Beatles songs, probably top ten, for, or probably definitely top twenty, maybe not top ten, but it is one of those perfect songs. So it's so much and honestly so little to talk about. Yeah. Oh man, this one's a gem. I was really glad to discover this. Um, I actually the first time I listened to it was maybe about a month ago. Actually, before we did this. Wait, um, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> a month ago. You hadn't heard the song until a month ago? Let me clarify. At some point in my life, I'm sure this song was on, but I went out of my way to listen to it for the first time about last month. A month ago. Ryan, I'm flabbergasted. I need you to express my feelings. Look, I've always said, and I maintain this opinion, that Tyler deserves the death penalty (laughs) for pretty much everything he's done. And this is just another. This is just another uh, reason. I fully agree. But before you know, before I, I get that. Before we power up the chair. <laughs> right, it's charging right now. Um, <laughs> you know, I think that uh, the <laughs> the the chorus of "Don't let me down, don't let me down," just like the way that it opens of John and Paul singing that together, it just sounds so raw and just so full of joy at the same time. Um, and uh, the verses as well of just like I, I, it has this very nice romantic feel to it, and building up to the chorus is just beautiful. I think it's one of their best 
uh, not only would it be up there with one of you know all-time great Beatles songs, easily one of the best choruses in a Beatles song, I would say. The only part that makes you go oh sad to it is like oh is the part where John sings I'm in love for the first time and I know it's going to last mm. just because of that's about Yoko yeah which I assume it's like oh but you were married and I have a son yeah I always think about like, that too oh. but anyways amazing song love this song yes indeed uh, it's my favorite Beatles song I think um, it's a, it's up there I just uh, this song I think it, it officially is right now because if you f- somehow found my Spotify, I have a playlist called Hall of Fame, <laughs> and it's my favorite song from each of my favorite artists, and th- this is the Beatles representative. I like that idea. So, um, good song. Good song. I Yeah, I'm pretty flabbergasted it's not on the original Let It Be. That's yeah. pretty great. That's... I think that's easily the greatest contribution of Let It Be Naked. I mean, I, I, I think it's the best song on the on the album. I will say I do slightly prefer the version of Don't Let Me Down that was on the single versus the... Oh, I hate the single version. No, I think the, the single version is like the best version. Oh, uh, we're moving on so I can beat up what? Tyler no, after No, no, this. no. No, why do you hate the it? The single version? It sounds so muted. What do you mean it muted? Blu- it sounds like it's like... There's like don't let me down. It's like we know we know how it sounds. It's just like um, maybe we're thinking of different versions. I I, 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 I okay. This I, is this is a post podcast next episode. Yeah, yeah. No no no. Can I clarify something? I am talking about the version that's on the blue album. The hit hit, hit play right now for two seconds. This is bad radio. Yeah, I hate this version. How do you hate this? Uh, this is, sounds so wonderful. I like, can't. I can't spend time on this because okay. it's not on the I'm album. Argue with you about this afterwards. Um. Anyways, we're moving on to side two of Let It Be, which so far we're feeling pretty good about. Yeah. Uh, the next song is called yeah. "I've Got a Feeling." Uh, this is a rare example of a Beatles song, like post 1964, that John and Paul wrote like half and half fully. Basically, Paul McCartney wrote a song called "I've Got a Feeling." And John wrote a song called Everybody Had a Hard Year, and they were both like a minute long, and they didn't know how to really finish them. And then they had a, a Yoda moment where they go, together they must be. And they fused them and wrote them into the same song together. Uh, the version you hear on Naked is from the rooftop recording. I don't know if it's the same on Let It Be. I think so, because they basically sound the same. Um, another Billy Preston feature on this one. Uh, but what did you guys think of I've Got a Feeling? It's funny because I wrote down all my notes without knowing the history. I said, it's cool that it sounds like two completely different songs. It is. I didn't even know that. Uh, I think I've liked it more in recent listens than I did in my first listen with notes. I think it's a good song. It's not one of my favorite Beatles songs, but also I did really like it. It's just very strong vocally. And, yeah, I really I do think the two, even though it is two completely different songs that sort of got thrown together, I think it works. Where really... There's a big possibility that that doesn't work out. Right. That just is totally different. I really liked it. I really, I, I really greatly appreciate getting to hear them within this mode of jamming out. I love the raw vocals from Paul coming back. Like I, I think maybe there's like once or twice a Beatles album, you'll get a Paul song where suddenly he just busts out this like crazy earth-shattering like vocal performance where I'm like how did that come from you you tiny British man but then he does and it sounds fantastic um, gut- the guitar and the piano together sound great I know I already mentioned it but the guitar especially on this album sounds so 
so so good um I've, I really like that everybody had a refrain, like you said, that's part of a separate song that they put onto this. Just very good, very warm vibes. I thought that it's a really, um, really good, and you know, really, it's a strong addition to the album, I think. Yeah, I like this song. Uh, I just want to point out that Paul McCartney is not that little of a guy, but anyways. But, um, okay, I look at his face, and I, he just seems little, you know? Like, you sure, don't, sure. You, you look at Paul McCartney, you don't think of him as a tall man. Well, I, d- I, I, d- I look at most Harrison short. I think he doesn't have tall energy. George is the tallest one. Really? I think they're actually. I think except for Ringo, I think all three of them are like five ten. Interesting. Uh, Anyways, I'm taller than all the Beatles. Anyways, um, I like this song. I like this song a lot. I think one of my favorite vocal moments of Paul McCartney's entire musical career is on this song when he s- screams yeah and I have been singing along to the song in the car and hurt my throat trying to sound <laughs> like that because I just can't do it um, he just this album is like a perfect showcase of Paul's vocals and I think he really kills this song I like him and Lennon's rapport that they can kind of sing the same songs together sometimes they're singing completely different lyrics at the same time which is hard to do but they make it look easy and uh, I think it's a great fun feel good song I kind of agree with I think what Harrison was saying. It's a it's a fun song. I don't think it's it's sort of how I feel about the rest of the album. I don't think it it, it is like the most special, but I do enjoy it and I have uh, put it on a lot. Um, I think I prefer Paul's section a bit more than John's, but I think they both uh, make some pretty good stuff. Mm-hmm. Following that, Tyler, did you have something to cut you off? No, I just want to say it has great vibes. That's it. Good vibes. Good vibes only. Following that is a song that John Lennon wrote um, when he was much younger. Uh, it's called One After 909. Um, I uh, I think John Lennon wrote this song when he was about 17 in like the 50s. Uh, and then they, it was sort of, him and Paul knew about it and they would sort of play it together like occasionally over the years and then when they were making this song when they basically recorded everything like you can find on the anthology they just made covers of like every song they've ever heard and they were like sort of fooling around like hey what if this was on the album and it went on and I think no one said this but I think it might have helped alleviate tensions at the time to be like hey why don't we put on this song you wrote when you were a kid and maybe do less heroin um this is a song that I don't know if this is an English thing or just a generational thing where we don't go on a lot of trains. I had no idea. for yourself. Well, <laughs> I mean, like, as a culture, we don't go on a ton of trains. But, like, I didn't know what this song was talking about for the longest time, especially the title. I was like, what is the one after 909? And Paul McCartney said, she didn't get on the 909 train. She got the one after it, which I guess is the key to everything. So what did you guys think of not 909, but the one after it? I said it was interesting. It's Again, I like when my notes match up with the history you said, because I wrote this is an older-sounding song, because it goes back to stuff they found in the earlier albums, where it, ju- it just sounds like this could be on any of their early albums um, and fit perfectly. So I thought it was interesting that they brought it back to what would be their last album. They recorded it for um 
w- around the time of their first album, From Me to You, the single, mm-hmm. they were like, this will be a B-side from For Me to You. And then they were like, bah, it's not that good. And then six years later, when they've all grown beards and aged 40 years, they're like, hey, maybe we should do it again. It's insane to me that Please Please Me and Let It Be are basically six years apart. Oh, that's great. <laughs> but like it says, oh, I guess I trashed it here uh, in my notes. I said, like, I love that they're singing together. I said, like, it was fine. And, like, I wrote unimpressive. I would take that back now um, in my notes. You can't take it back once you've written it down. Okay, then. It's an unimpressive song. It's admissible in court. <laughs> no, so I do like it, but I think I, I like the... I, I, it's probably, like, one of their only, like, true... Like, if you think... If the theme is get back to what we used to be, it's, like, the only song where they actually do that. Like, actually, like, actually do that. Not just thematically. You know, this thematically isn't about that at all. Um, but yeah, it's a good song. Not my favorite. Just like, you know, it's there. Yeah, fun, old-school vibe. I really, as you guys mentioned, uh, and you stated so eloquently, I really, uh, I thought it was very interesting, the fact that they took a song that very much did sound like it's something that they would record around, you know, the first couple albums, and then bringing it back to now. Um, as I mentioned earlier, it lends it a, 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 an added sense of weight and poignancy. Not that it's a poignant song, because it's pretty clearly, you know, it's pretty light. It's a pretty fun vibe. But at the same time, there's something um, really kind of cathartic about them being able to just jam out and have a great time. And it sounds very good. Like, just, you know, the guitar comes through. The g- keyboard sounds really nice. Just a solid, fun track, and I'm glad that it's on here. Well, I'm glad you're glad. Yeah. Um, the next song is The Long and Winding Road I'm gonna by start crying right now. Paul McCartney. <laughs> this is sort of the reason that the Let It Be Naked project was made, is that Paul McCartney conceived this to be a very sparse, very minimalist, me and the piano, sort of like, uh, you know, a lot of what you heard on the White Album of just Paul and his uh, little piano. And... Then Phil Spector on the album made it the most orchestral song on the album. Just a ton of background choirs and all this, you know, over overdone stuff. And this is an interesting piece of sort of like artist versus audience, like uh, intent versus um, interpretation, and like how you feel about that is up to you. I'm one of those people where I think Paul's crazy and this sounds way, way better with all the musical stuff, but mm-hmm. there's Agreed. also something to be said about this is not what I wanted. So it, it it would feel weird for a song to come out and just be like, I know you all like it, but this isn't what I wanted to do, so it feels false. But um, the only other thing I'll say um, is what Harrison alluded to earlier was this is one of the few songs that like sometimes I'm like I can't listen to this because it will make me cry and it, it is my pick for saddest uh, Beatles song but Ooh. that's up for you guys to go through I think for me saddest Beatles song is still for no one I they're, think they're definitely one and two I think yeah which is interesting they're both Paul songs because I mean because he writes about lost I mean he, a lot, so many of his songs are about lost love or just love in general but I think this is an example, although it's probably very high-ranking for me. Definitely, I wouldn't be like, oh, this is my favorite song. I love it so much, even though I do. Just because I think it is so incredibly sad. And like, just ev- it can be like evoke really any emotion in you. Just because I think of how beautiful it is, and it manages to be beautiful and sad, but not cliche. It would be very easy for it to be cliche. And it's not like, there's nothing in his voice 
that is just like oh he's crying as he sings it or he's not like singing sad if you know what I mean like he's not trying to like like there's nothing in his voice where it's like oh this is the emotion he's singing in he's just singing but I think it's just the words and I think I'd, I have to go against Paul here I think the big music Phil Spector vibe it's what doesn't it's not what makes the song but it, it is a big part of why it is so powerful so I know I never really want to have to agree with Phil Spector again um, since you know he's Murder's awesome I, we agree on that since he's a convicted murderer um, but yeah it's just, it's just it's such a perfect song and I think there's, there's, an, there's not a single thing I would change about it I guess unlike Paul um, and yeah it's who made like, an entire new album to change things about it yeah and it's just yeah it's so so beautiful and so sad in a very real way even though it's unlike for for no one which is i think you said a little bit a few days ago like very real and like pointed this is more just like existential existentially i couldn't think of the word i was gonna say mythical but that doesn't make any sense but existential <laughs> it's so sad when it talks about fawns and centaurs it's mythical tyler go gorgeous track this is i gotta say probably one of my favorite one of my favorite overall vocal performances from paul uh aside from the song itself just being beautifully arranged and, and composed and written um just because i feel like his voice conveys such a sense of deep longing um and desperation especially the way that he sings don't leave me waiting here like it just the way that he you know he kind of like goes up towards the end and then kind of sinks back down and you just feel like this 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 weight in your chest when he sings it um that, that obviously he's fully aware of and he just knows how to employ his voice here so beautifully he almost sounds like like a lost child or something on this song the way that he utilizes his voice it's just beautifully done for a song about hiking it is oddly <laughs> emotional yeah this song just breaks my heart like for i think harrison you put it like perfectly for no one is the kind of like sad song where if anything even kind of similar has happened to you in real life it just hits you because it's so real right. I, think, I think you said this a few days ago and i'm just re-saying what you said yeah well you most of your good ideas come from me first but um it long and winding road is just this sort of feeling of like ultimate just regret is the feeling i get from this is that you know paul mccartney said it's about all the paths you could have taken in life and the road that never ends and the doors you never get to and i just think it's just that made me really just you saying that word made me really sad. so so sad of just like i always think of this song as literally just a super super long road and like a bunch of houses and that you're just sort of sitting there like i wish things could have gone like this and like it, it, it's like the, the the don't leave me waiting here lyric always makes me so so sad it just feels like he's crying out at this like big feeling of like dread or guilt and then nothing comes back to him but it's this sort of beautiful melancholy way where you feel sad but it it doesn't make me feel like it, you know it's not like a, a a horrible movie about the holocaust or something where i feel sad and like despair it's more of like this sense of longing where you're just like i just want to go home and hug my mom and drink hot chocolate or something like it's just a, a song that gives me this feeling of just such like 
like distant sorrow because like something you could experience yeah if not have already experienced in some yeah way. it's one of those things where you know sitting here as like a 21 year old like there's certainly things in my well, life much older when he wrote it right right there's certainly things i've might have done differently in my life and regrets i have and those get amplified by this but i can only imagine hearing this song or making the song when you're married with children and you're looking back on such a long eventful life like paul mccartney did and it, it's hard not to think about this from you know maybe his failed relationships but also his failed relationships with the beatles mm-hmm. of like this this could have been a, a different path and it isn't and it's it's just one of those things where if you think about it too long <laughs> you just get sadder so yeah. maybe we should move I th- on i always think i know when when paul mccartney released McCartney 3 like last year he was on I think, Sun- CBS Sunday morning and I think he said and I also think Barry Gibb said this in the Bee Gees documentary he was like I still haven't gotten over their deaths Barry Gibb about his brothers uh, Paul about George and John and just sort of this like yeah like if I think I don't know if it would be more emotion. I don't know if I would just burst out crying if I ever was lucky enough to see Paul McCartney in concert and he plays this song yeah. just because of like oh what is he thinking about and also after losing Linda right. and like uh it's like the Bee Gees don't have any really sad songs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Ryan, I thought that was really beautifully put, the way that you described all that. Well, thank um, you. That, that moved I me. I stole it from a Craigslist ad. And now to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also want to add something I read about this song that I think is significant. That um, I believe I read that it was the favorite Beatles song of Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys. And in reading that, that makes a ton of sense. Um, I'm a huge Beach Boys fan. Yeah, Tyler, could you go on for three hours about Brian Wilson right now? <laughs> I'd be honored. No. Um, but no, just being able to translate that sense of like deep longing and sorrow um, through like this lens of, of this singer and such an, like, an iconic band. Um, Brian Wilson wrote a song called Till I Die that reminds me a lot of this as well. And it's like one of the saddest songs ever written. And it, it, I can totally see how he connected with that sense of um, that sense of want that you're trying to s- express through a song that you can't quite get. It's just very, very heart-wrenching. So I, I that connected with me a lot. Well, we have to move on, not only for time, but also because all three of us are staring at each other and weeping softly. Uh, no, I'm not... <laughs> The next song is a is a mood shift. It's uh, George Harrison's other contribution uh, in terms of songwriting. It's called "For You Blue." This song always makes me angry because it should be called "For You Blues," but it isn't. So <laughs> we have to live with that. Uh, George Harrison, uh, during his like time away from the Beatles, uh, collaborated and uh, spent some time with Bob Dylan and the band, which can't believe nobody thought of that name before they took it but um it, it is a great band <laughs> uh he did famously come back i think this might have been during the white album sessions and tell ringo they'd love you up there um which i always thought was cute but anyways he you want to know something funny go the drummer of the band levon helms and ringo w- play together in the ringo star all-star band well That's i guess awesome. they really did love him um yeah so george harrison describes in that book i was talking about i mean mine that for You Blue is a song, is a blues song where he decided to take the fundamental musical structure of the blues but completely reverse the lyrical structure and make it a happy song about love um, and enjoying life. Um, a lot of people think this is a, a really fun song from George. Some people are like, this is a weird song for George to make when he's in the middle of like his most creative 
like inspired stage and then he's just like i love you blah 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 but i think it's a fun uh enjoyable song and the last point is that uh this is one of the two or three songs that paul mccartney sang at the concert for george that was held uh, the year after george harrison died um nice. so it, it, you can find that version on youtube or spotify and it's it's nice to hear uh paul sing it too uh what did you guys think of for you blue i honestly have no real strong opinions on it um i guess i really didn't like it the first time listening through it i think it's just it's it's nice that they seem to enjoy recording it but i have no real strong opinions either way although i wrote down apparently there's a line go johnny go which is a, it's that's a just a reference to a johnny be good song which i know ryan in an early episode i don't know if you cut this you went on an anti-chuck berry rant yeah for 10 minutes yeah I, I probably did but I hope so <laughs> weird um yeah th- there's a couple of times where they get into sort of a jam and he just sings random sort of one-liners like that yeah and it was like it was i have no strong opinions on it um yeah i had a little bit of difficulty recalling this to be honest um i'd say minus the interludes of of dig it and maggie may it i'd probably say it's like you know, if you could have a least favorite, I guess like my least favorite from this, but that not to say that it's a bad song at all. I think the guitar here is really interesting, almost like it's being plucked kind of in a very particular way versus probably being was being played. plucked. Yeah, probably was being plucked. Um, and I like hearing George have a clearly good time recording this. Um, I think it's apt that Paul performed it because it does kind of definitely sound something like something that an early Beatles thing would do. Um, I think that. It's a neat little song, not my favorite, but uh, I'm glad George is having a good time, and I get why he's here. Well, we only have one more song left. Um, I feel like we sort of flew through this album. One thing I will say, though, by the way, is that I think that uh, the sequencing of For You, Blue should not be in between the long and winding Yeah, I think I think this might be the first song on Let It Be Naked, or one of the first two. It's the third one after yeah. Megaphony. So, like you said, we flew through this, and we've been... This is... Minute one hundred no hour one minute hour two minute twenty. Okay, five. we're on our usual pace. Yes, <laughs> um, if not slower. Yeah, the last uh, song is "Get Back," which was originally going to be the title track for the "Get Back" um, project. This is one of the only Beatles songs that officially has a feature. Like, there's a lot of Beatles songs with outside help. Or not a lot, but there are Beatles songs, but they're usually uncredited or not officially credited in the songwriting or things. This is known at the time as Get Back by the Beatles with Billy Preston. Mm-hmm. Um, so they uh, they really liked his contribution on this one. This is, uh, Wikipedia states, Get Back is unusual in the Beatles canon in that almost every moment of the song's evolution has been extensively documented, <laughs> which is true. You Pretty much you can go from the beginning of Paul McCartney's wanting to write this song to the final version, and it's either on film or on tape. Oh, wow. And it, it's really interesting to, uh, to look at. We obviously don't have time to go through it all. But it's uh, just sort of a fun rocker that was sort of supposed to be uh, Harrison, you're talking about how one after nine oh nine is like the one that's actually them going back to their musical roots. Get back was sort of supposed to be the driving force of the song. Supposed to sound like this, where it's sort of our new style meets our old style. Mm-hmm. Um, classic Beatles song, I think, and uh, you're going to hear it a lot when this documentary comes out in November. But um, it's the closing track of the uh, final album uh, for the Beatles, technically. So what did you guys think of Get Back? Yeah, it's not an overly complicated song, but it is a classic. And I think, I think I didn't appreciate it all that much before. I think I thought like, oh, it's fine. Like it's one of the mainstream Beatles songs that most people know. 
and I wasn't a huge fan. But I think I've sort of come around, and I do like it now. I do appreciate it. But yeah, it's not knowing that they were trying to go for a more like simplistic aspect to it makes sense because it really it is, and it works like that. I don't. Um, but yeah, I just think I don't know. I just apparently when I wrote down. The Get Back Loretta is just very, very funny. Get and Back Loretta! It's funny and perfect. I like those little perfect moments in Beatles songs where they can be anything. Like Tyler, you said, they said, like, until, or, like, let's say how they say one specific word is just perfect. And I think that's, so I think Get Back Loretta was, if there's a perfect moment in each song or in each few songs or album, that was one of the perfect moments the, on this album. I generally don't like the chatter that Phil Spector includes in this album, but I think on this song it's really nice and it fits. At the beginning, um, he, there's a part where um, Joanna says something like, Sweet Loretta, she thought she was a cleaner, but she was a frying pan. And then at the very end they include something which was the last thing at the uh, they played this as the final song I think they did two takes of it at the rooftop concert and then the police came up and shut it down which if you're the police what the hell are you doing shutting down the last Beatles concert well I mean Sting was the lead singer they were jealous <laughs> so uh, <laughs> ignore that um, this was the last song they played and John Lennon at the end and it shows up on the album says I'd like to thank you on behalf of the group and I hope we pass the audition which is like Phil Spector was like that's the last thing you hear from the Beatles which is, like, kind of funny, yeah. but also kind of, what the hell are you doing, Phil Spector? Uh, murdering people, but... I like <laughs> I like the line that was included. Yes, I like it, too. Yeah, great track. God, it's so fun. And, like, I here's something I don't feel like is talked about enough with this song. I think this is probably one of the hardest Beatles songs to sing. Like, Paul's vocal register throughout this song is in this falsetto that sounds fantastic but like to be able to stay in that range and then you go higher for the chorus of get back but you start by, you start up here going jojo was a man like that's the whole thing no yeah <laughs> which i was planning to do but um we have the time and the rights yeah no but i love getting to hear more of paul's vocal range it's always such a delight because he really is he really does have such a versatile voice um that he's able to utilize so well um I love the keyboard solo by Billy Preston. I think that is so... It, it, it just fits like a glove. It's so smooth. Um, I think that Let It Be Naked definitely made the right choice in making this the intro track. Like, it's just a great way to kick things off in a super inviting way. Um, I get why this is the last track on the original, though, because I see it almost as, like, kind of the roll credit song of, like, you know, like, here's, like, kind of the jam out while we kind of ride into the sunset. But, uh, yeah, no, great track. Can you, wait, Tyler, can you sing <laughs> um, Canton no. Ladies no. Uh, to, the, to the tune of Get Back? So you think don't you have to say no for so me? No, because no. think, no, because one's, can't, like, the, like, sing any song in, uh, that's not copyrighted anymore, it's in public domain, <laughs> but to the tune of They Did This, this, this thing, Stephen <laughs> Colbert. We, 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 uh, <laughs> do it, Tyler, go. <laughs> Oh, Ryan, why'd you cut that part? <laughs> why'd you cut that part from the show, Ryan? <laughs> you, have a good, uh, you have a good future, site. <laughs> yeah, I like this song. I love this song. This is, uh, this is actually one of the first Beatles songs I heard, funnily enough. Um, I think it's a classic. I think it's a banger. I love this song. It's just fun. I kind of wish the whole album was like this. Um, and it, it kind of is, but um, this quality... Uh, I really, really enjoy this song. I think it's a great uh, late-stage song, one of the best on the album. 
not, not a lot to say. Pretty simple, pretty fun jam. Uh, sort of, uh, what's the word? Sort of, uh, it makes up the values of the whole album. It sort of, uh, it is... Uh, Encompasses? No, yeah, but... Encapsulates? Yeah, but what's the word? Like, it's... Ecuador. No, it's like, it's evident of the whole album or something like that. Exemplifies. Yeah, sure. It, it Any E adjective or whatever the, the word is. Um, it's a good song. And that's, it's the last song on Let It Be, uh, the final Beatles album to be released. I know we made it seem like it wasn't that big of a deal because we will talk more about the Beatles' breakup and their real finale uh, next episode on the Abbey Road episode. But before we, before we depart, I'd like to know your guys' overall thoughts on the album. Give it a grade if you, if you want to, as you usually do. Uh, maybe what's your favorite song and uh, if you prefer the naked version overall or not. Uh. My grades always known to be comprehensive and not very good. I gave it a 96. <laughs> I think the songs that I don't really like aren't bad songs. You give what you think this a 96? Yeah. Oh, okay. I think I'm not the songs that I don't. I'm not a huge fan of. I just, I just I don't know if how consistent your grading system is. That might be the highest you've ever given an album. Wait, now I'm looking back. I don't think I gave. This, <laughs> I think I gave 96 to a different album. 96 is an A plus. I, I'll stick with it because I don't want to change now. But I think the songs I didn't like weren't bad songs. It just weren't <laughs> my vibe. Uh, favorite song, Let It Be. And I think I prefer the first ver- I think I prefer the first album version. The Phil Spector version? Yeah, not the Let It Be Naked. Gotcha. You know, I think that there are certainly Beatles albums that have a more impressive uh, sense of ambition that maybe reflect more of the type of music that the Beatles um, love to make, like the White Album, where you have so many different versions of what they wanted to make. Um, but for me, I like I would give this first of all, I'd give it a strong A minus. Um, I think that this album, the vibe that it um, is able to just capture in a bottle, is infectious to me. I really feel like it's just so uh, inviting as a musical experience. And it's also just so significant, not only in the sense of, hey, I'm getting to hear this great music, but I'm getting to hear this great music, and I'm getting to hear this great sense of fun from these people who um, on the, are on the verge of ending, you know, one of the greatest groups of all time. Um, you know, really, really great use of instruments throughout the guitar, especially on this album. I think it's, I think I might like the guitar in this album more than the guitar in any other Beatles album. Um, and I can certainly, you know, I could certainly understand the argument of there being maybe conceptually stronger Beatles albums or albums that better reflect the music they wanted to make. But I think that for me, though it's not my favorite Beatles album, it might be one of the Beatles albums I end up revisiting the most. I just find it inviting uh, front to back. So I'm a big fan. Yeah, uh, a lot of great stuff in there, Tyler. I just want to point out that when Tyler said uh, this, the stuff that this album captures in a bottle, that's a reference to when Tyler listens to these albums, he takes the vinyl and grinds it up in a blender and drinks it. Not a common way to listen, but it's a certainly unique perspective. You My get. doctor does not like me. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. get me. Yeah, and none of us get you, but we all love you. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I like this album. I think it's fun. I think it, if this album, weirdly for me, if this was released before White Album or like not billed as their last, I would probably enjoy it more. But uh, you know, I, I sort of lean towards 
you know, liking Abbey Road for some more of that uh, significance. But a lot of fun songs, a lot of uh, good stuff here. I think it's generally underrated. A lot of people don't like this album, but I think it's a it's a pretty good album. I would give it like a strong B plus. Um, I think it's got some great songs, some just okay songs. Nothing that really throws me over the top, other than "Don't Let Me Down" or and uh, maybe "Let It Be." Um, what about "Long and Winding Road"? Yeah, that too. But but um, nothing else that really sort of gives me the same wow factor as other albums. But a, a pretty strong finish mm-hmm. for uh, for history's most important musical group, other than those uh, Gregorian chanters that sang the world into existence or whatever they did. <laughs> All right, I think that about covers it. This has been um, Radio Ryan Presents Three Ringos, a Beatles podcast here on WCCS Wheaton College Network. My friends, we have one more album to discuss. It is Abbey Road, which we will discuss next episode. We then will do two or three episodes uh, of a bit of a different format, hopefully shorter, talking about sort of the end of the Beatles and our final thoughts on this whole journey. But we are uh, very, very close to the finish line. Thank you, Tyler and Harrison, for joining me on this long and winding road. Always a pleasure. Our pleasure. And thank you to all of our wonderful listeners. Uh, until next time, this has been I Already Told You What This Has Been. If you forgot already, go see a doctor. Three Weezers. And it.